Good afternoon, and welcome to the council. I'm your host, Charlie Pacello. Folks, thank you so much for tuning in on this beautiful Colorado day here. It's a bright and sunny day. Boy, do we have a, a, a wonderful, wonderful show set up for you today. Um, something, one of the most important conversations that we have had on the council uh, since our show began almost four years ago. So we're going to get into it right away. But before we get into it, I just want to make out a shout out for our our station here, KUHS Radio TV Denver, the stream. We are broadcasting live, live right here in Denver, Colorado, uh, and broadcasting all across the nation and all around the world. Uh, our station is being listened to and heard by so many people from around the world. We have a global audience, and it is because of you that our station continues to grow um, and to expand our reach to all the different corners of the globe. We want to be a beacon of light in a crazy world and help people to feel like they can come here and learn and understand. And, and we want to give you the best programming available that we can possibly do. And we have some great DJs. We've got some great hosts and uh, a lot of different things that you can tune into here at KUHS. So tune in. Our mission is to bring quality programming that reflects the diversity of our staff and to have honest, grounded, authentic conversations about the many issues that are confronting our society. We want to be a beacon of hope in the world filled with fear, distrust, and separation. And we strive to bring our city, our nation, and our world together to provide a, um, by providing a platform where we celebrate our diversity, our commonalities, our goodness, and our humanity. So tune in to KUHS. We are, we are here. The council is here. And um, I just want to make an announcement about uh, this Memorial Day. We are going to have an online Memorial Day retreat uh, sponsored by the Rose Center. It's our seventh annual Memorial Day retreat. We are honoring the fallen and uh, bringing back the sacredness of what Memorial Day means. And uh, we're doing it. I'm doing it with Dr. Edward Tick and Kate Daltstedt. And uh, please go and register. It's going to be from 11 uh, Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, for those of you who live in the mountain time zone, that's going to be from about 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. So please join us. It's, uh, it's a very moving, very important um, sac sac returning the sacredness to uh, what Memorial Day was all about. So tune in to that. Please register. And uh, I think you, you won't be disappointed. Also, uh, I, uh, I have a retreat that's going to be coming up for those of you who are interested. Uh, it's coming up September 16th through the 19th. We're going to be doing it here in Denver, Colorado at a wonderful place called Sunrise Ranch. It's uh, up in Loveland. It's a beautiful location with all of the things that have been going on in the last year. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful time for people to get back together, to heal our wounds, to come back in community and to uh, share our experiences in a healing and therapeutic way. Uh, we, there's so much incredible healing that can happen in groups. So uh, if you're interested, check out my website. That's coresoulhealing.com. That's coresoulhealing.com. Check out the Warrior's Heart Retreat. Uh, we are already people are already signing up for it. So please check it out. If you're interested and you want to heal those deeper core wounds, 
Um, I highly recommend it. It's going to be a very powerful, powerful experience. Okay, folks, we have a very important conversation that we're going to have today with my guest. And, you know, it's, uh, it's about military sexual trauma. And um, a lot of U.S. service members don't recognize this and don't understand this, but um, U.S. service members are more likely to be sexually assaulted than shot in the line of duty. And when I realization, when I learned that, I was shocked. And, um, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, in the military. I come from a military family. Uh, as many of you know who listen to this show, uh, uh, generations. And, um, and I have many of my dear uh, sister service members who, uh, you know, if anybody who ever threatened them or did any harm to them, I would be up in arms about it. And, uh, you know, we need to address this, and we need to address it now. Uh, this is not uh, this is not something that needs to be brushed under the rug because, you know, they are our brothers and sisters that are being harmed by this, and we need to do something about it. And our guest is doing something about it, and they are doing their very best to bring attention to this very egregious um, disorder in the in the service uh, that needs to be rectified as soon as possible. Her name is Amy Braley Frank. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Psychology and Business from the University of Maryland. She's a certified Level 4 Military Sexual Assault Victim Advocate and Forensic Interviewer. She is the founder of Never Alone Advocacy, a nonprofit organization with the following mission, to give survivors of abuse of power a platform for change and awareness through multiple venues and referral processes to promote the development of an environment based upon mutual respect and trust within all our branches of the U.S. military, to provide an outreach to service members who have been recipients of sexual misconduct, abuse of authority, and cover-ups, to work for accountability within all ranks, rather than selective and arbitrary enforcement of military justice, to exercise the U.S. Constitution, First Amendment's freedom of the press, to help ensure American public are aware of success and failures of U.S. military commands in addressing issues concerning sexual misconduct, abuse of authority, and cover-ups. Her website is neveraloneadvocacy.org. That's N-E-V-E-R-A-L-O-N-E-A-D-V-O-C-A-C-Y dot org. Amy, welcome to the council. Thank you. Thank you for that really lovely introduction as well. I really appreciate it and this platform. Uh, well, what you're doing, and you know, we were talking before uh, we went on air and, and went live about, I, I, you know, I, it just shocked me, Amy, when I read and learned and watched all the reporting and all the work that you've been doing, how prevalent military sexual assaults and rapes are. And it was just shocking to me. And knowing that, you know, I have had, I was in the academy, I, I have a lot of my dear sister service members that I would protect them at for, you know, if somebody wanted to cause them harm, I would be, I wouldn't stand for it. It just completely goes against my nature. And 
it's just a really shock in, in uh, that this is actually happening. It's it's very it's very sad, um, and I think we need to point out that you know the majority of service members are, are good, honest, very you know with high integrity, um, volunteer to serve our nation and protect our freedom, and you know we at Never Alone love and support the military, but the the few that are committing these crimes mm -hmm. are the bad apples, and they're spoiling the barrel. So as a daughter, granddaughter, and mother of a veteran, um, it's offensive to me that we're allowing these individuals, these predators, to tarnish the name of our military mm -hmm. and stay within the ranks. I, I agree, and, and it's just like, it, it it's brings the military, you know, we. When we joined, you joined, I joined, our, 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 our ancestors, our relatives, our, you know, we come from a line of, of uh, military veterans. And, uh, you know, it, one of those things was impeccable integrity and giving your mm -hmm. word and, and being honorable and, and protecting the innocent, protecting, I mean, these are the people you go to war with. These are the people who you're putting out your, your life on the line. And you don't want to be worried about somebody who you're in, in, who's supposed to be looking out for you that you've got to worry about them too. Right. Oh, no, I mean, that is definitely a common theme. Um, I remember when I started working for the Department of the Army um, in 2013 out at, at Fort Bliss, you know, there were several instances where, you know, service members had been out drinking and, um, Later on, there was a sexual assault in that evening, and there was this question posed, why would one female go out drinking with four other soldiers? Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let's think about that. These are supposed to be her brothers in arms. Mm -hmm. At basic training and AIT, they're like, this is the person to your left and your right. They're going to make sure that you come home safely. And if you die on the battlefield, they're going to bring your body home so the enemy doesn't defile it. Yet I can't trust them to go have a few beers with. I mean, it's counterintuitive to what we train. Yes. Right? I, I'm, I'm going to trust you with my life, mm -hmm. um, but then you're going to harm my body. Yeah. <laughs> and then blame you for it. And that's what's so, I mean, it's just like a, a, something just snaps in people's mind because I just, I don't know how that break happens in a person where they see that that's okay, that that is, a, that is appropriate or that they can, given some rights, some power play, um, you know, preoccupation that they may have, that I have the right to violate you in this way or I'm going to do it in order to keep you subordinate or whatever it is. And, and I don't know if it's education, I don't know if it's a reevaluation of our values that is going to be able to facilitate the change we need to have so that these things become a, 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 you know, something in the past. Well, I, I think that we have to you know, kind of pull back and look at the bigger, the bigger issue. Mm -hmm. And you know, there's a very, you know, it's like less than 3% of the population are sexual predators. Yeah. Okay. Yep. These are the FBI statistics. So normally um, what you see in profiles of sexual predators is they usually offend about 10 times before they're ever investigated the first time. Wow. And they're normally investigated three times before they're ever brought into inside of any kind of court process. So it's the handling of the crime after it occurs that is what, where I think we're missing um, the mark on. So if we just truly um, believe victims, 
when they say that they've been assaulted. Mm -hmm. You know, if I tell you that somebody stole my car, I don't have to go through all of this, you know, <laughs> shenanigans trying to prove to you that the car's really not there. Right. right? You know, this is the only crime where we have to, you know, prove that it really happened and the victim's not believed and we're not letting the judicial process mm -hmm. work. You know, we're impeding due process by having all these judgments and asking all these questions of a victim. I remember I did a, um, a summit in Italy mm -hmm. and one of the head CID agents, uh, Brandon Bell, I always really loved him for saying this. He said, well, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a be beautiful, brand new, shiny red Mustang convertible and you keep it nice and clean, it's always pretty and shiny and it always looks good, nobody says, well, shame on you for having such a beautiful car. But when a woman goes out and looks beautiful and has a nice dress on and is feeling attractive, then somehow it's her responsibility for being assaulted. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really good analogy. That's a great analogy. <laughs> I, mean, I think that's a fantastic analogy. And because it puts in perspective, too, how uh, we have different sets of, uh, I wouldn't say values, but we... we uh, we, we have a different requirements for different things. If it's, a, if it's an object that we like, like our car, it's not a big deal. But a woman dressing up and having nice and wanting to look nice, now she has to be held responsible for just wanting to dress up. Wanting right. To Everybody pretty. likes to feel attractive. I like to feel attractive. I like to look good. I, I shave. I clean my. I used to. We have... brush our teeth and go to the dentist, <laughs> and you know, take care of our bodies and go to the gym and and treat our bodies with respect. Yeah. Um, you know, it's just this. There's a lot of judgment that happens, mm -hmm. and you know, in training soldiers, it, they say the darndest things, but I always welcome their questions because. It is an opportunity to, to dispel rapeness. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I had a group of soldiers, young infantrymen, and they said, you know, the, the sergeant majors and stuff said we're going to have all kinds of sexual assault reports and problems now that women are in combat arms um, positions and are going to, you know, go out on on these convoys with us and whatnot. And I said, okay, gentlemen. I said, I, by show of hands, how many of you? played high school football. Mm -hmm. Of course, they all said yes. Yep. Right? Yep, they right. all said yes. I said, did the cheerleaders ride this bus with you to the football games for the away games? And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, okay. Mm -hmm. I said, did they short skirts on for a little cheerleading outfit? And they're like, yeah. I said, did you rape them? <laughs> and they said, well, no, ma'am. Yes. I said, are you going to start now? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, so... The, the thought that having women working beside men is going to cause rape as mother of sons mm -hmm. is very offensive to me mm -hmm. that, you know, that's saying that the male population has no scrutiny with their sexual desires. Yes. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So as a man, I think all men should be offended yes. and they should check the men that are making these sexist, you know, inappropriate comments about women well, because, I Those think it, are the behaviors and conversations that create a very welcoming environment for predators. Well, I think it's an excuse, too. I mean, it's mm -hmm. an, it gives you an excuse and a justification to have those kinds of behaviors. Well, I can't control it, or this is, this is, they're the reason why this is happening. No, 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 you're making that choice. What happened to agency? What happened to being able to say, I'm control, 
I control my thoughts, decisions, and actions. It's not somebody else's responsibility to control that for me. That's the, that's, you're, you're blaming somebody else for your choice. That, that's not healthy. You'll take credit for the good things in your life, but not the bad things in your life. And it's somebody oh. else's fault for why you make those choices. No, no. Well, and I think, you know, and there, I brought this up um, because I think that there has been a message that commanders don't know what they're doing and that they're bad and they don't know how to handle sexual mm -hmm. assaults properly. And I think that's the wrong message. I think that the majority of commanders are really good males and yeah. females. Yeah, I agree. You know, they really want to do what's right. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, when we're not taking into account, like, human biases, right? So, you know, say that you and I joined the military together, right? Mm -hmm. We came from a bad neighborhood. You know, you were the smart one. I was the tough one. So we enlisted together. We're like, we're getting out of this horrible situation and this environment. And you got green to gold, right? Mm -hmm. You had the smarts. You had the better scores. So you became an officer. And you're like, well, I'm taking my sis Amy with me. You know, I want her to be my star major. That's right. Right? <laughs> so we go on some deployments. You know, your wife cheats on you while we're at deployment. I sit with you and hold your hand while you're crying about your whole life, you know, turning upside down. Mm -hmm. We've watched people die in combat together. We've looked at each other and said, well, I'm bringing you back. Mm -hmm. We're coming back together, right? So we got a trauma bond. Mm -hmm. We're thick as thieves. Yep. And then 10, 15 years later, you know, one of our young soldiers comes up to you as a commander and says, Amy sexually assaulted me. And you're going to go, no, no way. Yeah. Can't be. I know her. Right? And so there's a lot of that going on, and it's not out of malice. You know, and that's really why I believe that the chain of command needs to be taken out of these prosecution and judicial decisions mm -hmm. on how to adjudicate these cases. Because there's a natural bias. There's a reason why Lady Justice is blind. And I think instead of saying to the commanders, you know, you're bad, you're bad, you're bad, mm -hmm. it's you're human, and I need you to do the job of protecting our freedom. Mm -hmm. And let this other arm do this, right? I never forget, you know, I was talking to the 173rd Brigade commander, which is one of the most rapidly deploying airborne units in Europe, right? He said, well, Amy, that's my soldier. I said, you know what, sir? I'm not going to tell you how to jump out of helicopters. I need you to let me mm -hmm. take care of trauma victims. Let me do my job, and you do your job, and if I need you to command something, I'll let you know. And it's just really having the ability to have those really hard conversations that I think aren't always happening. Um, I, I think, too, there's always this intimidation of also talking to full bird colonels mm -hmm. and one- and two-star generals. You know, I had the privilege of being raised by colonels, and my best friend's dads were generals and made us pancakes every Sunday. <laughs> right. So I'm just like, yeah. well, you know, General Horn, we're not doing that. Yeah. You know, because I was just raised in that environment, and I understand that they're dads and brothers and, you know, best yeah. friends. So it's just different. Well, I think, you know, I really like how you framed that and being able to, to kind of understand where that trauma bond was established in those early moments. You know I, you know, I was remembering those times when I was 
in basic training or survival school and those things that we were doing, you know, we're going through, and you make these very deep bonds with the people that you're with. Uh, I mean, I still have them. My, you know, my, uh, my, my friends now are general officers. A few of them are, and, and they're, you know, but that bond is still there. If I ever heard 15 years later that one of them had done something, I would be like, no, no, no way. There's a, that, that can't, no, I know this person. I, I know who they are. And that mm -hmm. has got to be one of the hardest things for commanding officers and field officers uh, that are, you know, in the chain of command to be able to relinquish and say, you know what, I, I'm just too biased in this. I need to really step back so that I can let justice go forward, uh, even if it's something that's really, really difficult for me to do. Right. I know my first brigade commander is now the director of DOD SAFRO, mm -hmm. and he's told me multiple times how proud he is of me. Mm -hmm. And actually, when he made general officer, uh, I saw him in D.C., and he told uh, my boss at the time, General Nakasone, and General Milley, when he was the chief of staff of the Army, he said, I wouldn't be a general officer if it wasn't for Amy's advisement. And he had a young soldier um, that was a 28-year-old specialist. She joined late that was reported a sexual assault in Cutter. Mm -hmm. And he was like, Amy, I just don't believe I raised this guy up from a baby lieutenant. And he's married, has two kids, really good guy. And, you know, um, she got in trouble because they were drinking. I said, sir, I need you to really think about this. I said, the only reason we know that they left the FOB and violated general rule right, and went drinking in a GOV off of the FOB is because she reported that when she made the mistake to go there and do that with him is when she was assaulted. So we would have never known they were drinking off the FOB. And, you know, when the case went to court martial, he was like, you know, I really, I really wasn't looking at it holistically. And, you know, thank you for saying you got to, like, pull yourself away from the scenario. And, but I don't know that every person has the ability to have that conversation with their commanders. Mm -hmm. And I don't know how amenable everybody is about hearing that they're not really thinking about something correctly. Oh yeah. It's a really co hard conversation to have. Yeah. And you know, a lot of the non-commissioned officers that serve in the capacity of victims advocates, they have to go back into their, their track of their um, career after they serve for two years as an advocate. And so to really upset the apple cart too hard is a little bit counterintuitive of them having to go back into their career field and get good, get good assignments after the fact if they make people too mad. Um, Amy, how prevalent is uh, sexual assault and rape in the military currently? Well, so this past FY, we had 5,640 reports that were reported unrestricted. That does not count the restricted reports that don't go for investigation. Um, and what's really horrifying in that is that two, only 255 of them went to a court-martial, oh and only, we only had 50 convictions. Um, and we know from the Fort Hood report and uh, that previous deputy director, uh, FBI, Chris Wecker, that did that really in-depth review, um, is that we've got some serious problems with the professionalism and the manning for the law enforcement investigators within the military. Mm. Oh, man. 
that's disgusting. I'm sorry. That uh, <clears throat> wow, there's just a huge discrepancy between that. Are 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 people af- like are women in the military afraid to report sexual assault oh, and rape? hundred percent, hundred percent. You know, several of my friends that are females in the military have told me that they wouldn't even file a restrictive report and put their name on a piece of paper because they would be afraid that somehow it would get leaked, um, that they reported a sexual assault. The retaliation is, you know, uh, alive and well and thriving. Um, It's a real, real problem. Is the retaliation worse than the reporting? Oh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Many, many of my victims said, you know, the treatment that I received after reporting um, was far worse than the assault itself. Oh my God. It's like being reassaulted on a daily basis by people that are supposed to be there for you. So what does the retaliation look like? Is it something that where they're ostracized or they kept apart from the squadron, the platoon, the group? How does that, how does that manifest? Well, it's like professional gaslighting. Ah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it, it really is. Yeah. And and then the other thing is, when the case goes for an investigation on unrestricted, they tell so many people what's going on. They're like, oh, well, the sergeant major needs to know. Well, your battalion commander needs to know. And then the battalion sergeant major needs to know. Well, your company commander needs to know. And then the first sergeant needs to know. Well, then the S1 needs to know because they need to process your paperwork. And oh, we should tell the chaplain, too. And so then all these people are going, are you okay? So every day you go to work and you're reminded that you're a victim. And it's, it is very re-traumatizing to people. And I try to remind individuals all the time, why do you need to know? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do to affect change? Right? And there's just too many people that are involved in the case. I mean, can you imagine going to work every day and everybody that works with you knows that you reported your other colleague for rape yeah. every day? Um, it, it's and then there's all the judgment. Well, and especially too, if you made that trauma bond with them, you've been through basic training with that person that has been accused of it or is the perpetrator of it, and so you're already going in with the pre-bias, since you're doing the same thing that we were just talking about. No, that can't be that person. I know this person. What's wrong with you? It must be you that is the problem, not the person who who did this. You're the one who must have invited it in some way. And we go into that very, um, I, I guess, defensive mode. Right. Well, you know, I did a deep dive into the report that was released on Vanessa Guillen. And there's about six names in that report that they forgot to redact. Wow. And when you, when you pull it back and you kind of look at the change of commands and, and who was where when, so the, the sergeant first class that was sexually harassing her at NTC out at Fort Irwin, um, what they did was when they got back to Fort Hood, they just moved him to a different company. And so they all knew, and there's all of these pictures of that sergeant first class with the other leadership and the company commander and a previous deployment together, like literally in the sand, holding guns, sand on their face. These are my brothers. And so that really like hit me hard that they're like, oh, you know, she's just complaining and she's going to ruin our boy's life just because she can't take a joke. 
I mean, I've heard it a million times. These are these are not these are actual comments and things that I have overheard, that I have corrected, that I've seen happening, and um, I mean, it, it all plays out, um, and I can I can read between the lines and see what happened there. Well, could you share just a little bit of, uh, of Vanessa's case and uh, what happened to her? So Vanessa Guillen was uh, a family. Uh, from a, a young immigrant family um, and decided to join the military um, so she could make her family proud and be able to get a higher education and serve her country. And um, she reported within her chain of command that um, one of the NCOs was sexually harassing her. Mm -hmm. And um, here recently, General uh, Major General Le Eugene LaBeouf from Forcecom brief the results of their investigation um, that they had done on Vanessa Guillen's sexual harassment and then the um, murder that uh, she was a victim of murder after um, reporting this sexual harassment. And he made a comment during that briefing that I found to be very disturbing. He said, well, the rank of Vanessa Guillen's sexual harasser is not relevant. What? That's, oh and anybody that has ever served in the military knows that the fact that he was her platoon sergeant is very, very relevant. Yes, it's very relevant. I, I was an officer in the military. I know that's relevant. I mean, mm -hmm. whether you have that hierarchy naturally in the service, it, 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 there's a purpose and a reason behind it. At the same time, you people have been known to use that uh, in order to hold power over somebody in authority, and it could be illegitimate sometimes. Yeah, it's the this is the abuse of power that we're talking about. Right, right, right. Like I'm in charge, I you can't leave, mm -hmm. and my boys are going to back me up. Yep. I'm going to downplay what you're saying. I'm going to treat you as if you are, you know, some kind of malingering soldier, you know, and then they create this narrative that it's, I mean, even, you know, Vanessa's mother said, you know, her daughter started losing weight and all of these things that were happening to her, which are, you know, these physical um, manifestations of being traumatized and not getting any help. I just don't, I don't understand it. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess like, you know, I just was raised with different values, you know, and, and we, uh, values are where we, we protect those we love. We don't abuse them. We don't use them. We don't take advantage of them. We don't, if, you know, it, it was of mutual consent. It was mutual respect. It was bringing out the best in each other. And when I hear stories like this, Amy, it just, uh, just well, saddens me. You know, you know, Charlie. Even the sexual assault professionals. Yeah. We experience sexual harassment and even assault. I never forget. Um, I was at U.S. Army Africa in Italy, and um, the new Sark arrived, and it was during International Denim Day. So we had this like Denim Day walk, and um, Denim Day is a a big thing that was started in Italy about you know you can't blame sexual assault victims for their clothes. Mm -hmm. Anyhow, um, some soldier put on social media, um, is it bad that the new Sark looks so good in her, her jeans at denim day that it makes me want to rape her? 
And, you know, I brought it up to everybody and they're like, oh, that's just, you know, they're just joking around. I'm like, no, that's not joking around. No. That is online sexual harassment and it's almost a threat. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I would consider like, are, are you alleging that you're going to do that? Or are you warning us that you want to do that? Um, well, know, and it's it, also power and control too, right? Isn't it about like, um, if I control with what you wear, then I can control my behavior. Wait a second. Now you're putting, you're disempowering somebody else just to be able to dress up nice, look good, feel good, those things, because of they got to they got to monitor your emotions, they got to monitor your impulses. They're the ones, and so it's like this again. It's this power and control that uh, tends to show up in these situations, and I think those kinds of statements um, are indicative of that. Oh, absolutely. But I, I tend to uh, want to remind people that, you know, grandmothers in their flannel pajamas in nursing homes get raped. Uh, women yeah. in burkas get raped and soldiers in their ACUs get raped. Yeah. So is it about my clothes or anything that of my behavior or is it because you're a criminal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Department of Defense is always trying to come up with some scenario of and some reason about why people are criminals Mm -hmm. well you know if we could determine what makes somebody murder somebody what makes somebody rape somebody then we would go in and address it before it happened you know um it's unfortunate there's always going to be a level of crime Mm -hmm. in, in the world Right? When you have super peaks and valleys is when you need to get really concerned because there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. But it's there is no reason for predators to change their behavior when they're not getting punished. Yes, if there's no accountability, there's they're not mm-hmm. they're gonna keep doing what they were doing and hurting more people, you know, and causing more harm. I was floored a few days ago. I, I had a soldier send me um their board packet, they're, they're a whistleblower as well, and so they're trying to remove them from the military. Mm-hmm. And in the soldier's board packet, there was a complete CID investigation of the service member that that individual stood up for. What? The entire, the entire CID, I, I was floored. And so I'm reading through that, and I'm looking at the CID investigation, which is the Army Criminal Investigation Command, yeah. and it is documenting this victim's offender's criminal history, which are DUI, multiple counts of domestic violence, multiple counts of disorderly conduct, um, trespassing, terroristic threats, um, from three different states. So he had charges in Georgia, Missouri, and Arizona. Wow. CID founded the case and said that they, the legal opinion was he committed this act of abuse with sexual contact on this young specialist. He's a sergeant. And I went just this past month and sat with the victim while they testified in the board hearing because they decided to not send it to court martial to just do a board review to see if they were going to retain him in the military. And with all of that criminal history and with a substantiated founded abuse of sexual contact case, they decided to retain him in the military. You're kidding. I'm not. I'll email you the documentation. I literally Uh, email. I, I went like a teacher 
and I took my red felt pen and I circled all the stuff. He failed his poly. Unbelievable. He, you know, all of these things, all of his criminal histories, I circled it, I took pictures of it, I scanned it in, and I emailed it to General McConville, the Chief of Staff of the Army, and General Milley, the Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the Department of Defense IG Ombudsman, Senator Durbin, Duckworth, yeah. Gillibrand, and, and Representative Spears, and Senator Bennett. Um, because at, at the same, so we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. So we're saying that's not tolerated. We're not going to allow people to remain in our ranks. And you have somebody that has an obvious criminal history from multiple states, and you're going to retain them? What? And then what? you're going to say it's not tolerated? I don't. I don't. You know, I mean, I just don't understand why the the what is the justification of, for these kinds of cover-ups? What is the justification for for denying the truth that is right there in front of you? I mean, you know, it's clear, and it's almost like there's this permissibility that's unacknowledged or unspoken that it's you know and you just give license and permission for these people to continue to do these things and hurt these other service members that my gosh we are the in the business of protecting and defending liberty and freedoms not not putting people in harm's way and when you know that there's somebody that has this in his background or her background but in this case his background what are you doing I, I'm, I mean, it's, I it's incredible. I like I got the packet a couple days ago. So Wednesday I sent my first email, and then I could barely sleep Wednesday night. Thursday morning I woke up infuriated and started redlining the entire investigation and circling it to make sure everybody saw what I was seeing. And I emailed it again, the more documentation to the chief and the chairman. And I'm just sitting here seething because he is a non-commissioned officer. Today, right now, he is in charge of baby privates with that criminal history. Totally. And we talk about prevention? Are you kidding me? It's going to happen again. He's got a and history of it. It's going to happen again. Yeah. And he's been emboldened to he's, do it. Yes. Yes, you've, you've emboldened these people when you keep these cover up. Why is, you know... Are we, is our, is our military, you know, and, and again, these are isolated, this is 3%, you know, the vast majority of the military, uh, wonderful, integrous, honorable people. Why are we so afraid to deal with these things? What, what is it? What is, what is the purpose of perpetuating this nonsense? I, I don't know. I mean, even the young lady that was the victim, they're like, oh, well, she's a troublemaker. I'm like, how? Because she reported he was assaulting her? I, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't, does that doesn't make mean, any I, sense. You know, and, he, and not that it, I mean, it matters to me, and it might not matter to everybody, but you know, he's a big dude, yeah. right? And this young soldier is like a hundred pounds soaking wet with two bricks under her arm. Yeah. So you also have this like size, yeah. it's a size intimidation plus rank intimidation, and now he knows. That everybody knows he got away with it, and yeah. so now he, he could literally go rape somebody today and be like, well, Nobody's gonna believe you, anyways. Yeah. I always get off. You, you give them a sense of invincibility. I'm invulnerable, you can't do anything to me. I mean, it, it, it's like mm -hmm. counterintuitive. You're rewarding the wrong behavior, mm -hmm. you're promoting, you're enabling bad behavior. You, if you want this behavior to end, you've got to hold people accountable. How? 
how can we do better as a military? How can commanders do better in regarding to handling sexual assault and rape cases? What could we be doing better right now in cases like the one that you you just are, are handling uh, well, on Wednesday? I mean, I think one of the things that has to be done is we have to have transparency. All of these internal investigations, um, these Army Regulation 15-6 internal investigation that come out highly redacted where you can't make heads or tails of it. Um, the only national security crisis that we have is that we have more, more soldiers being raped and murdered and committing murder by suicide. I say murder by suicide because I feel like the retaliation is drives them to the suicide, right? And then we do have them passing away in conflicts. Yeah, like Vanessa, or not, excuse me, uh, Lavena Johnson. Wasn't oh, she, and, you know, they still will not change her death certificate from suicide. No, no, not at all. I mean, it's just like uh, one of the cases, uh, the young lady that took her life um, there at Fort Carson mm -hmm. uh, three years, I think two or three years ago on Nicole Burnham. Um, you know, she was left in Korea for 87 days in the same barracks with the people that the first rapist and then the gang rape that happened in the same and barracks in the same barracks at Camp Casey uh. and I asked her we had a conference meeting with her brigade commander and I asked uh, Colonel John Munford I said you know sir how many case management groups sexual assault review boards did you attend uh, about your soldier he was like, I can't remember. I said, I know, because I, I have the, the minutes and the sign-in sheets. Mm -hmm. You didn't go to one. That is your job yes. as, as a brigade commander. As an 06 Fulberg colonel, that you own that sexual assault program. Mm -hmm. And those case management groups or sexual assault review boards, depending on which service branch you're in, are oversight meetings to provide a safety net for victims, where you're supposed to talk about, are they safe? What is their risk level? Do they need mental health, behavioral health treatment? Um, are they asking for a transfer? Has the MPO been enforced? Where is the status of their case? Have they requested an expedited victim transfer to another base? Where is it at? Why is it taking so long? See, none of the leaders for Nicole Burnham were doing that, right? None of the leaders for Asia Graham at Fort Bliss were doing that. And, you know, and as far as Vanessa Guillen goes, you know, her sexual harassment was not handled properly. You know, and I think that one of the things that has to be done, that the professionalism of victim advocates has to happen. The, the special victims councils, the lawyers for, that, for the victims have to be in their own um, kind of pipelined command where they can't be influenced by um, the chain of command that they have to be in there just kind of like CID and the other criminal um, investigation like NCIS is um, because there's too much influence going on mm -hmm. and I also think that you know there we have federal grants uh, victims of crime compensation act and violence against women act and so in every community Listen, service members, every community has a rape crisis center and a domestic violence center. Mm -hmm. If you do not feel safe reporting your sexual assault to the chain of command, 
go to the local rape crisis center they will give you they will make sure you get medical care they will give you free behavioral health care and they will keep your privacy and more than anything i want victims to be taken care of of course i want predators to go to jail but i first want the victims cared for and protected you know i want them to feel safe i want them to have the ability to get medical care so they're not worried about being exposed to sexually transmitted infections or unwanted pregnancy or any of their other concerns about their body after such a traumatic event Mm -hmm. i want them to be able to get you know health care and behavioral health care and then i want them to feel safe Mm -hmm. and then those those same kits are 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 secured right and then you can make a decision how you want to go forward Mm -hmm. but we got to get these people's power back these victims need to you know, the, everybody's like, oh, they're a survivor. And I, I don't even really like that, Charlie. Mm-hmm. I don't like the term survivors. I don't want you to be surviving. Mm-hmm. I want you to thrive in life. Yes. I want you to have your power back. Yes, 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 yes. You don't, des- you don't need to be to, uh, carry the pain of somebody else's injuries on you that you had that was unjustly done to you and that you have mm-hmm. to carry for the rest of your life. Will they go ahead and live their life? No, you deserve just as much to live and thrive and, and succeed in everything that you ever wanted to do and let this just be a, a, you know, a footnote in your history. I mean, I, I, I believe that with you is too. I want you to, not just to survive, but to thrive. You don't have to live with this trauma for the rest of your life. Right, and, and there, there are organizations like mine mm-hmm. that can help you navigate these processes. You know, we, we know who to call. Um, I, I'm not afraid to email anybody, you know, I remember one time I reported, um, that my commander had said something off color mm-hmm. to, about one of my victims and I reported him and SJ said, well, why did you do that? I said, I'll call the president if I want to. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, you, everybody has a boss. And people cannot be allowed to intimidate you and make you feel like you don't have a voice. Yes. You know, just like I said this morning um, on the Donnie Walker show, I said, you know, there is nothing about my job that is more important than somebody's life. So if, if the Department of Defense wants to fire me because they don't like how I protect my victims, I do it. I dare you. Which they did, by the way, right? You were you were working no, with I'm, them. I'm still, no, I'm still suspended. You're I'm still suspended. Paid, okay, all right. I'm on a paid suspension and have been for over 18 months. Well, you were the whistleblower. You were actually not only were you hired to to help them with their you know sexual assault prevention program there at the Pentagon, but you blew all the whistle on them in uh, last or 2019, right? Yeah, uh, November of 2019. What you know, happened? This, well, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was a 17-year-old high school opt-in recruit that was raped in the female latrine by a 25-year-old NCO. And they documented that that was, um, quote, consensual sex. And she had a broken arm. And after they tormented the young lady by doing their internal investigation, she didn't want to participate. And then when it finally got to me, I said, well, we, it has to be reported to law enforcement, but as, as, the, as the victim, you get to choose if you want to participate in the investigation or not. 
And there still has not been a proper investigation about that assault because there was multiple outcry witnesses. People witnessed her with a beaten up face, broken arm, and the command had a military protective order against her alleged offender. And even in this last documentation that I got a couple days ago, the company commander says, during my change of command, the soldier that was accused of assaulting Private Jane Doe, we escorted him out of the military building because of the MPO. So it was consensual or not. There's an MPO for an innocent person, a broken arm for no reason. Like, I'm just really, really confused. It's confusing. That's really confusing. It's like, you know, you're talking from two sides, two different directions. You're not really, not holding people accountable for the things that they do, and you're not protecting and giving justice to the victims. I mean, it seems like it's, you know, it's a problem of leadership, quite frankly, I think. It's a huge problem of leadership. But the other thing, we have to remember, a 17-year-old high school student, right? So in the state of Illinois, there's a Romeo and Juliet law. Mm -hmm. And if you're over the age of 24, a 17-year-old can't consent to having sex with you. Wow. Wow. It's pretty rich. It's right there. She doesn't even consent it if she wanted to. And I don't know anybody that says, please break my arm while we have sex. That (laughs) sounds fun. Never. Nope. It's not... Doesn't happen. That's insane. It is insane. And, and they told me it was a training <laughs> issue that the commanders just didn't understand that they had to report the crime to, to law enforcement. Wow. I said, it's been in federal code since 2006 that even if a third party notification to a commander of a sexual assault has to be reported to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. It's in their commander's legal guidebook. It's in a checklist. And, you know, it is just complete violation of federal law to not do that if a teacher saw a child coming into school abused like that they would lose their teaching license they would face jail time and a monetary fine and i think that these commanders that are not reporting these violent felony assaults need to be held to the same standard that we hold teachers to Amy, you were on, uh, and, and to, to carry on with that, because of the, uh, um, the importance of that and being able to hold people accountable, you, on March 24, 24th of this year, you spoke in front of the Senate Armed Services Committee uh, about this very issue that's been confronting the military and holding these people, these predators, accountable to the things that they do. Could you share just a little bit about what the feeling was in the room? Are we, is Congress really ready to do something about this besides just having hearings? You know, um, here recently, um, Senator Gillibrand had 63 senators that were going to vote to pass the Military Justice Improvement Act and Prevention. Mm. And Senator Jack Reed from Rhode Island and Senator Inhofe from Oklahoma um, blocked the vote. Why? Um, and it, it's very disheartening, you know, Senator Enhoff has a huge issue going on at Fort Seal with the training instructors, uh, 22 people allegedly raping multiple trainees at Fort Sill. So, you know, and, and some of the National Guard issues with uh, a couple of our Gold Star families, I, I really think he needs to focus on what's going on in his state and his military bases because, uh, you know, Gillibrand is trying to, you know, make change that is 
supportive of creating a better environment, a safer environment for our service members. I'm very disappointed with Senator Jack Reed. Um, you know, he's he's an Army Colonel. He was a Ranger. He's a, a Tabber, and I don't know, but you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised that you know some of his colleagues were like, "Hey, Jack, they're getting too much traction, man. We need you to help us stop this." Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but it just seems very strange um, that he would intervene on something that is going to make the military safer. For our service members and a better and stronger fighting force too because the, you have to in order for us to have a an effective fighting force that is willing to protect our freedoms and to be able to give their lives you need to have everyone together in in a cohesive unit that is able to function and knowing that each person has their back I've got your and you don't have to worry about it I'm gonna I'm gonna protect you it doesn't matter you're a man or woman I'm that's you're you're there for me and I'm there for you. You got to have that kind of clear. It's going to make a more effective fighting force. And when why that, <laughs> why there's that the, the disconnect is beyond me. It's really well. You know, really uh, Chairman Joint Chief Staff Mark Milley um, got on camera the other day and said um, that what they're doing has not been working because mm -hmm. they haven't been able to move the needle. Right. And continuing to do the same thing over and over again and getting the same result is like the definition of insanity. Yep. So why do we want to continue to do the same thing that's getting a bad result? And this is a force protection issue. The fact that, you know, Lieutenant General Pat White had more service members, you know, die or by suicide or be murdered at Fort Hood in his garrison than he did during his entire deployment during Operation Inherent Resolve is an issue. Yeah, that's a huge so issue. So if if you're a three-star general and you're like, okay, I've got a bunch of service members dying on American soil in my garrison, mm -hmm. you need to shift, adjust your focus, right? That's what they teach you in military school: mm -hmm. adapt and overcome. Be able to shift and adjust focus at any time to look at where the threat is. So he obviously wasn't able to do that effectively because he didn't shift his focus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they reprimanded Major General Elephant, his deputy commander. And I want to make this very clear. General Elephant had the authority to do things, but there was no change of command. So the responsibility still lied or laid with, excuse me, uh, Lieutenant General Pat White. Mm -hmm. You can delegate authority, but not responsibility. Yeah, so true. Um, Amy, military 101, right? That is basic one of military 101. That's what I, yep, that's what I learned at the academy. Um, you know, whereas we're coming to the close of the show here, Amy, I, I want to give some time here for you to be able to speak about the organization that you have. So that for our service members that are listening in and tuning in and needing resources and needing to know where they can reach out to, I want to be able to give you some time here to be able to Talk about the Never Alone uh, Advocacy Group and, and just what your organization does to help the victims of, of sexual violence. Thank you for that. So, um, you know, we're a very diverse group. We have retired generals, retired colonels, um, retired NCOs. We have uh, sexual assault response coordinators, victim advocates that volunteer. We have therapists, lawyers. Um, and healthcare providers. And what we really do is just assess everybody's needs and get them to the right services. 
or to the right audience, whether that be um, a journalist, um, whether that be Congress, whether that be um, having one of our board members send their command an email to help educate them on what's going wrong and why it's a problem. Um, that's been very effective. Um, you know, if, if I can affect change in an organization by reaching out to a commander and saying, I, I don't know that you understand what's really going on with your troops and let us kind of like lay it out for you, um, we do that as well. You know, we also have given advisement to commanders. Um, I kind of feel like they're in a hard spot and making sure that they are doing the right thing so they don't ruin one of their service members' lives and they don't ruin their career either, right? Um, and we just really try to be there for people. You know, my son um, is a veteran and we're kind of sitting at the table and he was like, Mom, that's the whole thing about being a soldier. You never leave anybody alone. And he was like, that's why you should call it Never Alone Advocacy. And I was like, all right, Jake. <laughs> I think it's great because no, you don't leave anybody. You never leave anybody behind. You never leave anybody alone. You, I mean, that's that, that's at the core, because right. that's what that's why people, uh, you know, when they think back about their military uh, service and time, the majority you look back fondly uh, to mm -hmm. those times because boy, you 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 forge bonds that uh, that can be inseparable. And I believe everybody deserves to have that kind of a bond. And, and the betrayal of that bond is, is it needs to be addressed as an, as an apostasy. You know, that needs to, we need to eradicate that and, and make it as safe as we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, it, it, like I said, it, a lot of times the retaliation is through the judgment of yeah. the peers, right? And I would oftentimes ask soldiers, how do you know that they're lying? Mm -hmm. Were you there? You know, I just don't understand. And I have to just really give a shout out, you know, to my board, um, uh, General Shadley, Camilla Vance Shadley, Colonel Martin, um, and the entire team, you know, my dad, my best friend's dad, my husband, my boys. Um, my husband, Michael's been phenomenal through this. You know, I was just coming home so distraught about how these soldiers were, t were being treated. He said, honey, you do whatever you need to do to make it right, and I'll stand behind you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that kind of love and support is the only reason that we've been successful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, because it's done out of love. Yeah. And I don't ever want to hold another hand of another gold star mother because the military failed to protect their kid, and they lost their child. Mm -hmm. You know, I will say, you know, suicide is a real thing for, for victims of trauma. And, you know, the National Suicide Hotline is 800-273-8255. Um, you're welcome to reach out to us at neverloneadvocacy.org, but we don't run a 24-7 hotline. We will get back to you um, very quickly, usually within 24 hours. But if you're in immediate crisis, please call uh, a 1-800 number or go to your local rape crisis center. And do they go to, for Amy, if they want to get in touch with you, they go straight to the website, the, the, the one I... The neveraloneadvocacy.org, is that where they yeah. go to? Mm -hmm. um, our, we're on Twitter as well, uh, Never Alone Advo one um, We're on Instagram, uh, Facebook, Never Alone Advocacy. So, you know, I ch we check all of those, those platforms. Well, what you're doing is extraordinarily noble, and uh, I can tell how much you 
you love the soldiers that you're there to advocate for, and when they go through something that is so, such a deep betrayal of trust, uh, and when they don't feel like they can trust anybody, I'm so thankful that they have someone like you uh, that's looking out for them. Well, thank you. We have a really good team, and you know, um, I really appreciate all, all of the people that have been supportive of us that connect us to people like you as well, Charlie. Thank uh, you for having us on today. Well, you know, it's, my, it's been an honor. And before we close out the show, I want to make sure that I do another quick shout-out to our a fantastic station here at KUHS TV Radio Denver. We are broadcasting live here in Denver, Colorado. And we are being supported in the back there by Henry and all the team back there. Thank you for making this possible and for making the magic happen. It seems so seamless, uh, but there's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes to, to make these, this magic happen. And, and we are broadcasting not only here in Denver, Colorado, but all across this nation and all around the world. We are being listened to by so many people from so many different countries. It is an honor to be your host and to thank you for coming back all the time. It, um, it just, it's really humbling and I'm really grateful for each and every one of you. Amy, uh, before I close out the show, I always like to ask my guests one question. It's kind of the way we, we close it out and kind of lift it up and give people some hope. If you could give one piece of advice, one bit of wisdom from your life experience, what would it be? I think that I would say um, when you are interacting with other human beings and they seem to not respond to you in a nice way, understand that you might not know what's going on in their life. And a lot of times people respond to you from unaddressed trauma mm -hmm. and just to show people a little bit of care and love and compassion, that will go a long way. Oh, that is uh, that is so true. A little just kindness, just more kindness in the world. Amy, thank you. This thank has you. been an honor and a privilege to have you on. Um, and folks, thank you for tuning in. From wherever you are in the world, the council is adjourned. May you all be well. May you all be free of pain and suffering. May you all be whole. Folks, we'll be back with you in a few weeks. Take care and God bless. features Mago the Magician. They're open Monday through Friday, 